0: hi everyone welcome to the perma podcast i'm james prescott your host welcome to the show hope you're all keeping safe and well obviously we're in the midst of this pandemic many of us are stuck at home and hope you're all taking care and keeping safe and um yeah so i'm joined today by somebody who's just become a good friend of mine Um, We're going to talk about something that's actually quite important during lockdown and during this pandemic that hasn't really been talked about too much, and that's being single and staying at home during this pandemic. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Holly Stalkup to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, James. I'm glad to just visit with you as a friend, another uh, single friend, about kind of what our experience has been like uh, for these last several weeks
0: yeah it's yeah it's really um, it's really pleasing to talk to somebody else who's going through kind of what I'm going through because I'm single yeah. and although I live in a house with other people, I don't see them very often so I'm kind of on my own a lot and there is a unique experience of being single when you're kind of stuck at home yeah. and that's different to um, when you've got a partner. In um, a healthy relationship, that is. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. That's a whole different topic um, right. uh, with the pandemic. But, but yeah. So I thought it would really, be really good to talk about this. And um, you do a lot of um, um, Holly does a lot of um, advocacy work for women. She runs a great uh, a great organisation called Rise. And does a lot of writing and speaking. And so. Uh, Yes, I think she's got a lot, to, and she's single, so she's got a lot to say on this subject. Um, we've got a dog there in the background. Yes, <laughs> yes,
1: my dog Jack is here, so of course he had to uh, say go- say hello, although I, I won't uh, be too mad about that because I live alone, and so he's been my uh, companion during, during all of this, so I guess it's appropriate that he would... Make his voice heard as we talk about uh, being locked in the house together all yeah, the time. Yeah, so. absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I mean, so what I mean, we should just jump in. I guess. What are, the, what are the biggest challenges that you faced being single during a pandemic when you've, you know, you've had to be, self isolating and in lockdown kind of thing? Uh, what, what what's been the biggest challenge that you faced?
1: Yeah. So. You know, being single, I think, on any given day for a lot of people is difficult, especially um, I think even though I'm in the States and you're in the UK, I think um, we both live in countries that are still very nuclear family central, right? That most households are a mom and a dad and kids, um, and, um, and so we don't always know where our place is, right? Like where, where is our place? Who are our people? Um, from very like practical things, like who do I put as my emergency contact, you know, um, to just the more everyday things of like, um, you know, we're, we're speaking, um, here on, on Saturday morning for me and uh, Saturday evening for you. And, um, we um, i I don't know about you, but weekends tend to be in particularly hard for me. There's a a sense mm. that weekends are for families, right? They're for um, you know, kids ballet recitals or date nights with a partner. You know, there there's this sense of like, mm. you know, you get through the work week and then you have this family time. Um, and so I've found you know, I've been surprised that I found even during lockdown, the weekends have been harder for me, even though all the days are are pretty similar. But I think on the weekends, you know, I was able to meet up with friends and go to dinner, you know, or um, go to the art museum or do something that kind of marks the end of the week and, and, um, rest and, you know, and, and those kinds of things. And so that option now has been, has been taken away from me. And I know like you live, um, with your sister and, and, but that's still not the same as your friends, I would assume. Um, and that's something I think, and that's not to say that we don't, I think both of us have good family, but I think that's something, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, I think often partnered people will say to single people uh, something like, well, at least you have your family, right? At least you have your family. Because, like, my parents live in the same city as me, and my, my sister is a wonderful place, and I have great relationships with them. But I, what I want to say is, yes, but those aren't the same thing as having friends, right? Like, that's not – those play different roles in my life. Um yeah, and so does does that
0: make sense? Does that it absolutely, make sense? does make sense. I mean, I, yeah, I live with my sister and her family. Uh, my my the, the place I live is kind of a separate entity in its own right on the top on the top floor. So I have the whole top floor um, with its own bathroom and everything like that. Right. So it's kind of a separate place from theirs in one sense. Although we see each other and we obviously we interact and all that kind of thing, and that's great. But largely, we spend most. I, mean, I spend most of my time up here because I work from home. And then in the evenings I'm in here because um, I, can, you know, I can watch the TV and do what I want to do in here. But right. I can't do that downstairs because there's loads of other people and kids. So uh, so I spend most of my time on my own. And it's diff- it is a very different thing to have members of your family around and then to have a partner because members of your family are great and I'm grateful for my family. I really am. Yeah. Um, I'm close. I'm lucky to be close to all of my family. Uh, you know to my sister and to her partner and our family and and my dad who you know my mum's passed away about 20 years ago but and I was close to her as well so I'm I'm, I'm really grateful for that uh, and I and I do want to acknowledge that because that is a really important thing uh, I don't want to see him I'm grateful but there is a difference when you are single because a partner is somebody who you can have fun with it's who you can you know you can you can have intimacy with, you can have jokes and laughs that you can't with family. There's things you can do with a partner that you can't do with family, like lots of things. Uh, It's just a different type of relationship. And when you've committed to a relationship like that, whether it's, whether you're just partners living together or you are uh, married, um, it's not really, doesn't really matter, which um, it, it, there's a difference there. It's, um, you know, there's something that's there's something different between you, and when you don't have that, um, and you're in a time like this where your time interacting, going out is limited. Yeah. Um, you know, the people, the people that you see outside of outside of the home are the kind of people that you go when you bump into at the shop. You know, and that's it um, when you're going shopping or when you're, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So it so you're not really having those kind of relationships and you're not having that you don't have that person to come home to and to to be vulnerable with because because I, i'm really close to my family but i can't be completely vulnerable with them because there's certain things that we don't tell members of our family even if we're really close to them right no. that you would tell a partner yeah. uh, so there is a difference and i think uh, and I you know, and I think it's i'm mean, i'm quite content being single i'm not like desperate for a partner um i don't need a partner to complete me or to save me or to make me whole again i don't think anybody should want a partner for those reasons um right. but it, there's a there's having that intimacy and companionship um someone who can see you at your worst and most vulnerable and support you and like and you know vice versa. Is 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 really beneficial right now? I think um, a healthy relationship. Yeah, um, and
1: I, right, right, and that's an important caveat as we talk today is that you know when we're talking about partners, we're talking about a you know a healthy partnership where those people are seen and loved and um, and honored. Mm-hmm. And I I think that um, I've been thinking a lot about how there may be no greater time that we would need partnership and intimacy and um, unconditional love than in a crisis like this, right? Like, there's so much grief. There's so much processing. There's so much unknown, right? Like, yeah. the, the, what we know is so little um, compared to all of the questions that we have about when will life be back to normal and is normal gone and you know how far out can we plan things and and that those questions and feelings are hard when you're not alone right Mm -hmm. but most single people are grieving alone right they're scared alone they're trying to plan for the unknown alone and I I think that that can make that even for I think you and I are similar in that um, we might both be up for being married, you know, but that we're not miserable most days, right? Like we mm. we have beautiful lives and beautiful friends and family, but I think during something like this that sometimes quiet ache becomes much uh, louder, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, of, of wishing that there was someone to grieve with us, that there was someone to... Uh, not solve everything. You know, I don't yeah. think our partnered people have all the answers because Absolutely, they're partners,
0: yeah. But, but
1: they are with someone else in the midst of all of the, the scary and the hard and the, the unknown. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that even if you do have great family, like we said, you and I have great family, that's, that's not the same. And that doesn't even begin to talk about, I'm sure you and I both have single friends who don't have great family, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean who, that's
0: potentially worse. Yeah,
1: right. Like who ha- need to have boundaries with their family? Who need to to not depend on them? You know, or or you know, we're both in a position where our families live close. You know, live live within our within our ability to drive. And I know lots of single people who, even if their family's awesome, you know, they're They would have to get on a plane to get to their family, which is, especially right now, (laughs) you know, difficult and and dangerous. Um, And so, yeah, I I think because we live in societies where things are set up, assuming that you're partnered, right? Assuming that you, and I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is even more true here in the States. Um, that that there is an expectation that you, if you aren't married, you will be married, and if you don't have kids, you will have kids, right? Like this is the, especially in the church, right? Like there's this oh, yeah, assumption, the yeah, um, that <laughs> this is this how you will live, and so even as we're providing resources, like as the church for this time, there are a lot of resources that are set up for families, right? And so, um, and I'd love to hear you um, share kind of what your experience with church has been since this is, and not even just Sunday morning church, but Christian faith spaces, like since this has started, Um, you know, I have a wonderful church who, um, you know, one of our pastors is single and, you know, so we're kind of a, a unique setting, but you know, I have friends who on Sunday mornings they're telling them serve communion to each other Well, they're living alone. There's no one to serve communion to, you know, or, um, you know, do this activity with your family this week to think about the Bible story. But they're, they don't have a family in the traditional sense of the word. So what have you seen the church do well and maybe not do so well in these last few weeks?
0: Well, I'm part of a of a small spiritual community up in London, which is a contemplative community. Uh, most people in that community uh, are single, and yeah. so it really has been well set up to support mm. us all. Like there yeah. are people in there who are married as well, but it's very it's it's a, it's a very good community for for that kind of support. You know the the, yeah. the, 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 the um kind of the vicar guy has said like if you need to chat just let me know Mm. the married couples have said if you need to chat just message us we'll set up a call um we'll have a chat kind of thing so it's everyone's been really supportive of each other and we're having regular zoom calls as well not just on the sunday so because there's only Mm. about 10 or 20 of us so you know we can do that we have a whatsapp chat as well where we all kind of can talk and share uh, how we're doing so uh, that that community has done has been really really good, uh, and I don't know about other church communities because I'm not part of them <laughs> anymore. But my, my dad's Hi. my dad's church, which is the church I used to go to, has been doing stuff online, and my dad lives alone, um, and he's felt very supported. They've had home group meetings on Zoom. They've uh, I think they have WhatsApp chats and stuff as well. I think, and people have been messaging him. Just to you know, keep him going. Um, so I think I think that church has done pretty well supporting him. I don't know how well how well it's done supporting other singletons. Um, but I know that church, and it's got a lot of married couples in it. In fact, it's about ninety percent married couples. So uh, I don't know honestly, but but I can imagine. And I did notice this when I went to America that everything is very geared towards couples. More mm-hmm. than it even it is here in the UK. Uh, I think in the UK it's much, more, I mean, it's much more, I think it's much more multicultural anyway in the UK. Right. Um, much kind of a more secular culture anyway. So I think there's more awareness of that now here. Um, even though, I mean, nevertheless, though there's still, there's still elements of things which are tailored more towards couples, but it is changing for the better. Uh, and yeah. for me, I mean, I used to go out to like go out to watch sport at the pub every Saturday. I used to go to the cinema quite regularly, uh, and go out for drinks with friends every couple of weeks or something like that. You know, I had so I w- I was quite content in myself in being single and having things to do. I I'm quite I quite enjoy my own company, but when you're at home when you're locked down, it's very different because. you're there all the time apart from a couple of hours each day at most and you know especially when it gets to late at night and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too late at night when you're tired and maybe you've had a bad day or maybe you're just feeling a bit vulnerable that's when it really starts to kick in I've had really kind of depressive moods um down to loneliness really um and you can be lonely in a relationship I don't want to I don't want to just dismiss that because you can be lonely within a relationship. Um, yeah. But um, there's a particular kind of loneliness that comes when you're single um, and it, kind of, it can easily turn to despair because it's like, I don't have anyone. I don't have someone to be vulnerable with. I don't have someone to kind of cuddle up with, you know, or someone who can give me a hug. You know I mean? That's a big thing because we all need physical touch right it's really important physical touch is really important to know that you're loved and you're safe and it's part of human growth, development like where mm-hmm. i think this is science even i don't know but i think there is science that's that, that supports the idea that we need physical touch Absolutely. on a regular basis and when you're single you don't get that right now you don't get any you know i'm, I'm quite unfortunate i have niece and nephew who are part of the same household and they all, always give me big hugs when I go downstairs, you know, yeah. and that, that is great, and that really does help me uh, a lot, but that again, that's different from a partner who knows you and knows you intimately and who is there for you and who can see you're struggling and just, you know, give you a hug or be affectionate. Um, yeah. And you can do that for them when they're struggling. You know, it's it's, it's a very different kind of thing. And I, and I definitely miss that. And I, I actually said to somebody a few weeks ago during the lockdown that I I haven't, I haven't had physical touch with an adult outside of my family mm-hmm. for at least a, a year or two, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, with, maybe with friends once every so often when you give them a hug or whatever, but but generally I haven't had that at all, you know, and, and I miss that. I'm somebody who's got a love language of physical touch as well, and so I really miss that, and it's sometimes I just want a hug, and a big hug, Yeah. and yeah. we don't get that, you know, and I'd love to hear what your experience of that is. Yeah, well, I
1: think that um, there absolutely is science to back up. Like, touch is not just a bonus, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a need, you know. Babies need to be held, and that, that need doesn't go away, you know, as adults. And um, uh, Lori Wilbert um, just recently, very, very uh, ironically, put out a book all about the importance of touch, right before we were all locked in our homes without touch. Um, and it's called Handle with Care. Um, and it is a great look at um, the importance, specifically as Jesus followers, of physical touch. And I, I think one of the things that is so important, I think, especially for partnered people to understand in conversations around touch, is what you and I experience is the result of an over sexualized culture and a church culture that has um, so idolized and feared um, inappropriate sexual contact mm. that we've just relegated physical touch to parenting um, or child rearing and romantic partnerships, right? Like those are the two places that it is appropriate to get touched. Um, or from, you know, as an adult, you might get a hug from your your parents or your your siblings. Um, but even then, um, the, the science around the difference between a short touch, so like a brief hug when you walk in the door, and prolonged touch, so even like a longer hug or um, holding hands or sitting close together on a couch, right? There, there's a different need that it fills in us, and I think... Um, we have to identify why aren't single people getting touch, or even why aren't partner people getting non-romantic touch, right? And it, it stems back to um, this this fear of touch just being sexual in nature. You know, if you, if you look mm. at Jesus, he's always at the table, like, reclining with his friends. That literally means they're all just... Laying on top of each other, you know, visiting and drinking wine and eating bread, and um and and so this hasn't always been this way, where touch has been this thing kind of relegated to the to the lucky few. Um, and I think this has become even more evident, you know, in lockdown. Um, you know, I have single friends who have literally not had any physical touch and four or going on five or six weeks now. And that is, that's inhumane, right? That is not like, this is not okay. And I I think what partnered people don't understand is what we're asking of single people in particular, in particular single people who live alone um, to do is not, is not sustainable. And, you know, I've been, lucky to be able to see my parents a few times and my my sister a few times and have made the decision for my own mental health that I will get a hug from them at the end that that I won't um, be so black and white with these social distancing rules that I harm myself right Um, or else the, the point is lost, right? Because the reason we're all social distancing is to keep ourselves from harm and our neighbors from harm, right? That's just the whole idea behind why we're all locked in our houses is to, to prevent harm. But when those rules begin to create harm, then we have to reevaluate. And, and really what I would say is just try to figure out what nuance looks like, right? Like, i want to be wise i want to love myself and my neighbor well but also it's it's not just to ask single people to carry a larger part of that burden right because we're not asking married people to live in the same home and not have any physical contact with each other right we're not we're not asking partnered people to sleep in separate beds or to not hug or kiss right we're we're just um, it's just assumed that if you are partnered you'll still have that physical contact um, and then is, we're yeah. not thinking about how by removing single people even further to the edges of society um you know that 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 removes the little bit of physical touch that we were receiving right and you hit on something that. Something I've been telling people is the pandemic isn't creating new problems. It's revealing the problems we already have. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Absolutely right, yeah. It's like an amplifier that is is just exaggerating things that are already problems. And this goes deep. It goes deep into problems that we're all carrying because we're all, I've, I've said this for ages, we're all grieving, we all carry grief all the time and we all have been grieving we've just not dealt with it well and we've not protested it well and one of the outcomes is the way things are at the moment in our respective countries <laughs> um, and now that's been amplified and we have the grief on top of that of what is happening and the things that we're not allowed to do maybe we've lost a job or we can't go to work or we can't go out and do the things we used to do we can't go and see the people we used to see you know there's um we can't see our closest friends we can't see our closest family maybe and we're having to grieve all of that as well and so it's all being amplified and when you spend time enough on your own or time enough in the house when you can't go out you start reflecting on these things and you start noticing Mm -hmm. these things and it will be really interesting when when this is over how people respond to that because there will be in my experience there will be one of two responses Um, Either they will face up to their grief and name it and own it and do the work, um, speak to professionals, which is what I always say, speak to professionals, um, get into community where you can get support um, and and deal with it in a healthy way. Or we will just retreat back to addiction, certainty, um, you know, building a structure around our pain and ignoring it. Um, which which I did for a long time and our culture kind of culturally sanctions almost yeah. and the thing is you when you do that eventually it comes out somewhere and uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that but this is another thing that will happen that you know we with this this physical touch
1: yeah. um, some I people are going to come I think that one of the gifts that single people can bring out of this is I tend to find single people often by force are better at being weak and vulnerable and broken because we don't have those kind of traditional societal masks that we can put on of like, we're this happy family and we're partnered and we have these kids and we're staying busy. Right. Like we don't have kind of those usual things that you can use in a society to pretend like everything is okay. Mm. And I, I think that single people if given the opportunity can lead us in re- grief, right? Like mm. single people are are knowledgeable in grief. Even my single friends who don't want to get married, I would say are knowledgeable in grief because they're living in a society that tells them something's wrong with them for not wanting to get married, right? Like yeah. that 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 they're defective or they just haven't grown up or they're, you know, they're immature, whatever. And and so I was I was actually talking to a friend um, a couple of days ago She um, is partnered and is leading a a small group of women who are also primarily partnered in a um, suburban area um, where there at least at the church tends to be an assumption of affluency, even if that isn't always true. Um, And she was talking about how difficult it's been during these weeks of social isolation and, and self quarantine um to get her women in her group to be honest about what they need and how they can help each other, right? And she said they'll like tell her individually like this is what's going on or this is what I need. But then when she gets them together like in a Zoom call, they all act like everything's fine. And she was she was telling me like, how do you get people to to be good at being honest and that way we can and help each other, but if they won't tell each other what's going on, we can't help each other. And I, I told her, I said, you are up against a difficult thing because the women in your group, because they're partnered, because they tend to be more affluent, have been expected to never be weak, to never be vulnerable, to never have need. Um, and I think those people, you know, here in America, like, why – middle to upper class women who are partnered with kids, like have a lot to learn from single people about how it's okay to have needs and how that's actually God's best, you know, is that we give and we take, right? And I loved how you pointed that out about physical touch, that we don't just have a desire as single people to receive physical touch. We are made to give physical touch, which that was, brilliant i've never heard anyone frame it in that push pull back and forth way but of of course that makes sense right there's the spiritual discipline Mm. of of giving but there's also the spiritual discipline of receiving right there's this this back and forth pull and so yeah i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how you feel like singleness has taught you to be vulnerable to grief like how has singleness prepared you for such a time as this per
0: se well it's interesting I mean I've I've got a lot of experience of grief you know and people listen to this podcast know that yeah um losing a parent 20 years ago and also before that um had a major trauma when I was when I was a child my mother got really ill I wasn't sure she was going to make it uh and I witnessed that it happened all in front of me which was traumatic Mm. But it was a grief, because everything changed, and the life that I'd had before changed, and the life we were going to have changed, and everything in our in our lives changed so yeah. i'm well acquainted with grief with grief i've kind yeah. of lived with grief almost my entire life um, and I've been single for the vast majority of my life i've been I've been in long term relationships and I've dated a lot and so i've got experience of relationships but you know from for like forty odd years most of most of that forty odd years I've been single yeah and so you do kind of learn to become more independent and find ways of taking care of yourself and practices to take care of yourself, which don't require other people uh I think in terms of now I think I'm an introvert anyway, so I don't mind being in my own company I don't yeah. mind being at home on my own and watching Netflix I, I don't mind doing that <laughs> I was doing that anyway a lot of what I was yeah, doing, yeah. doing now was what I was doing already because because that's because of who I am uh, you know because I'm you know, naturally introverted the, 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 the big change is not my weekdays it's the weekends yeah. because the weekends is when I went out it's when I saw friends it's when I it's when I went to the pub or the cinema or whatever it, and when I went to church you know the, the, yeah. that that's the difference uh, and so being at home on my own all day, Saturday, Sunday, is a challenge. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it helps me, it's helped me adapt a little bit more quickly, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's easier uh, than it would have been if I, if I was newly, if I'd been in a, in a marriage or relationship almost my whole life and then I was single just before this happened, that would yeah. have been a lot more challenging. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are good there, there are good things about being single, and one of them is you learn to become more independent, and uh, you learn to trust yourself a bit more, and mm-hmm. um, find things that you enjoy doing, and uh, you're not dependent on other people for your joy. Uh, yeah. If you're a healthy single, so, uh, and I've, I think I've got to that place. It's just I, like like I said, it's the loneliness that comes. When you have those low moments, when you have those stress points, when the, the grief and anxiety kind of gets to you, or a trigger happens, um, usually late at night or early in the morning, uh, that's when it. That's when you can get really upset. I mean, I had, I had, I've had a couple of those times during the pandemic where I've just been really depressed, lonely, um, feeling a sense of injustice, like. Uh, I'm jealous of people who are in happy, healthy relationships, and don't understand what I'm going through. Don't understand mm-hmm. uh, what it can be like—the despair that you can feel. And yeah, that can happen, and that's normal. It's not a—it's a human, it's a human reaction. You know, it's not right. a—I'm desperate and I need somebody to save me. It's more, you know, this, I, this is something that I desire. I don't need it, but I desire it. And right now it would, be kind of, it would be kind of cool to have this in my life and I don't have it. You know, and not only that, I mean, for me as an Enneagram 4, I kind of overthink things as well. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking like, oh, crikey, yeah, we're not going to be able to go out on dates with anybody uh-huh. for like six months to a year. Uh-huh. Like, this is the other thing that people haven't talked about with singleness. Like, well, when, when is social distancing going to end? Like, we don't have a vaccine till for, for a year. Like, so even when we can go out again and maybe things open again, it's going to be different. You know, you're not going to be able to go on a date and kiss someone new and hold hands with somebody new. Right, Like, unless they give you their permission or unless you want to break social distancing rules, (laughs) you know. So it's going to be really difficult for singles. Like, there's, there's not much chance of you actually physically being with somebody for a long time. Even if you meet someone online, and that is entirely possible, by the way, you can meet someone online. Um, but I know from experience of meeting people online is the longer you stay online with somebody and don't meet, um, the more frustrating it gets. <laughs> and then when you do right. meet, there's a, there's a kind of there's an a kind of um, an an unusual level of like an overloaded sense of wanting to express yourself, right. you know, right. so, which is less which is more difficult to control because if you've got desire for somebody you know romantic desire sexual desire whatever and you can't express that for months and months and months and months and then suddenly you can yeah well no it's difficult to control because we're human beings you know so so it's going to be yeah and so so there's been despair around that as well like gosh i was already struggling with this and now i've struggled with it for at least another year and then I've got to think about how I'm even going to meet anybody anyway and because I was struggling with that already. And so so all of that kind of goes through my head as well as the kind of what's happening right now. And, um, now, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've, I've heard, it's so interesting that you bring that up because there was a woman or two that I am connected to online who were talking about something similar this week, that dating was already incredibly difficult uh to navigate to figure out how much time to put into it um a lot of people don't understand how much money you can put into it with online dating services right and but now the this that one of the things that kept them going was this sense of well maybe it's just around the corner right right like Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. next weekend i will have a date where it will be like There it is, right? Like, there's that person that I've been waiting on. But that, you're right, that there are now these months and months and months of unknown with most likely not being able to pursue traditional dating routes or to, like you said, move an online dating context to in-person, which is obviously the goal of online dating, right? It's just supposed to be a, you know, a stepping stone. And so, yeah, I think that, that added weight of desiring partnership and then not really having an action step you can take right now. Right. Mm. Um, you, you can't, um, be at church where you're meeting people. You can't Um, be going, you know, out to different social activities with mutual friends where you might be introduced to someone, right? Like, all these kind of avenues where single people might be seeking uh, either new friendships or romantic partnerships, you know, have kind of been cut off because it's one thing to do a Zoom game night with people you already know, right? It's way weirder to, to try to meet someone on Zoom for, a, you know, a first date or something. And and I, I want to go back to one other thing that you've brought up a couple of times that I think is a really good thing for partnered people to just hear us say, you've talked about how the, the evenings can be particularly difficult. We've talked about how the weekends are difficult in the evenings, And I even like how you brought up, like, even the early mornings. Um, I think for me, I definitely feel that in the evenings. Um, whether I've had a good day or a bad day. Mm. I love the idea of being able to process that, right? Saying, here are the victories I had at work today. Like, here's the thing that I finished, that I've been working on. Mm. Um, or here's the thing that I was supposed to finish that blew up, you know? Um, or even, I feel like a lot of us right now with what's going on have a lot of mediocre days where I had this one good <laughs> thing happen earlier in the day, but then I realized that, tens of thousands of people are dying and I got really down about that, right? Like like this very kind of, you and I, before we started recording, we we're talking about that often the best way to explain how we are right now is just really up and down, you know? And that's true whether you're partnered or single. Yeah. But when you're partnered, you have someone to stand witness to that, right?
0: Absolutely. And, that's so true. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and not just, not just in a, and they solve it way. Like, I don't, I, I think especially because you and I, like, um, you know, I'm 32 and, and you're a little bit older than I am. Like, we've been single long enough to not have any um, misconceptions that partnership would just fix everything, right? Mm. Um, that, that everything just gets better if you're married, Um, we have enough married friends to know that marriage comes with its own set of difficulties. And, and something I joke about a lot is that I'm, I'm fine with that. God, I'm just ready to trade in difficulties. I just like a new, you know, a new set of difficulties to, uh, but, but I think that when I say partnership gives you someone to stand witness to, it's like not only is physical touch valuable, but the physical presence of another human being, even if you don't touch each other, right? There's, I mean, the spirit of God resides in both of us. And when you're in that same space together and when you share your grief or your joy and someone is there not to give you feedback or to, you know, come up with solutions or to mm. make you breakfast in bed, but just to be present with you, um, that's a a huge gift Um, and I think for you and I we have good friends that often do that right they be the physical presence in our joy and our grief but because we've been asked to stay in our home we have lost those people that stand witness to our lives in those ways
0: yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right it is yeah someone to bear witness I love that that's a really really great Uh, metaphor uh, great way of describing it it like when you come home to somebody you can talk to them about your day and that helps you process it in a way and gives you a bit of clarity just them hearing it not even them saying anything just somebody else hearing it it's like oh i am seen i am i am loved like what you know my 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 struggles are valid they, right. they have been heard by somebody, you know that that means a lot uh, yeah. to and, you know. And whether you're married or not, it, 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 that always matters. Being yeah. seen, being heard, being acknowledged, and having whatever you're going through validated, um, yeah. and you know that I mean that makes a difference. And when like when you're married right now, you can do that, you know. Yeah. And I've I I know married couples who have struggled um, with with this, like um, because they're at home all the time. Yeah. So that brings challenges, and that, that's 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 completely understandable. And I I almost expected that, but at least they can work those through. If you've got a strong relationship, you can work that you can work that out, yeah. uh, and you can still bear witness to each other in the midst of that, you know, and in a healthy relationship. Now you know I'm not I, I'm not one of the people that kind of says being single or being married is there's neither that are better. Right, um, yeah. And I'm not saying so I. And also that I don't, I want to kind of for for anyone who, who's coupled up listening that, you know to dispel any kind of myth that single people see ourselves as victims. Um, no,
1: not at all. Or
0: martyrs or whatever because we're not. Um, there's lots of benefits to being single. There are, um, and. Um, I, I, I quite enjoy being single a lot of the time, and I'm quite content in it, but you can still be content and desire something else, Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. I think you're the same, it's like, yeah, I, I, I like, I like, like, I love the way you put that, I'm willing to trade one set of problems for another set of problems, yeah. you know, because at least then you've got somebody else to process them with, <laughs> you, know? Right. Right. Um, you know, in a healthy relationship, again, want to stress healthy relationship, not... Yeah. And not any other kind of uh, relationship. So, yeah, and I just think this is—I think this has been good to talk about because there are single people who I know who listen to this podcast, and maybe just a bit of solidarity might be helpful for them. But also, I think for partner people who listen to this show, just to get a bit of insight into the challenges that single people face and how they can be a service to those people and uh, have grace with them and hold space for them um, will be really, really, I think this is a really, really good conversation for that. So, um, yeah, so I, I would just encourage people who are listening to just kind of bear this in mind because it's, it is a real issue and um, it's going to be an issue when this is over. Yeah. Um, how we, how do we navigate physical touch again? How do we navigate having, uh, how do we navigate dating again? How do we, how do we navigate, I mean, how do we navigate kind of relationships generally again? You know, with, with, with social distancing and stuff. How how do we do that again? We're all going to have to do that. We're all going to have to come back and learn how to do that again in a way. Uh, And um, when you're single, (laughs) that's especially stark because you'll be out dating again. Hopefully. Um, and well, and it, I think there's
1: opportunity in kind of that relearning, right? That we're all going to be re entering into society and figuring out, you know, kind of this idea of what do I want to keep from this season? What did I learn and what was good? And then what do I want to, you know, throw away? And I think there's this opportunity to kind of evaluate, even starting now. What is community and how do we want to live in community and who was advantaged in this season of crisis and who was disadvantaged, you know, and, and way outside of the the realms of of singleness and marriage, you know, um, listening to the disability community about how moving church online and making it accessible in that way is something they've been asking for for years, you know? Um, But the church hasn't prioritized it because it was a small group of people needing it. But then suddenly when we all needed it, then, then we made it accessible, you know? And so it's, it is, you know, one of those things that I think like everything is kind of burned to the ground. Um, There is only going to be a new normal. We won't go back to normal. And, Yeah, that is both shattering, um, mostly because of the lives that have been lost. Um, Mm. but there is an opportunity for married people to evaluate like, who are the single people in my life, and are we doing a good job connecting with them? And for single people to evaluate, like, who are the partner people in my life, and you know, have I done a good job checking in on them, right? It is incredibly difficult to be parenting right now. You know, like, I'm sure you see this with your family downstairs, right? Like, yeah. it is, you can have a great partner and great kids, and still, that is that is difficult. And so, I, I love how you said, like, there isn't a competition here of who has it harder, right? Like, there's, there's enough of God's abundance for all of us to have what we need. But that doesn't just happen naturally, right? There has to be, we have mm. to show up and do the work, right? You talked about that there will be people after this who will do the work and people after this who will just put back up those same kind of um, false ways that they were hiding behind. And the, the opportunity to the church is to do the work after this, both in our personal individual lives, right? With therapy and spiritual directors and processing our grief. And then there's this, opportunity communally to do our work and to say what did we learn from this as a you know as a community and how can we change and grow um and that to me is hopeful um in the midst of really really yeah. hard stuff
0: and that's that's what's been given, that's one of the things that's given me hope in this in this this, this experience is because i've done that work in my own life already yeah in the last four or five years I can see where it goes and what the outcomes can be and what the freedom that you can find in, uh, in processing that and working on that and doing that work, uh, and the transformation that can happen and how you can connect with your, your best truest self in a way yeah. that you never did. And how you connect with God in a way that you never had before. Uh, and just the freedom that comes from it. Um, and, my hope is that when we come out of this, that people will discover that too. And um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm writing, writing my book. And I didn't know this is why I was writing my book at the time, but mm. it now feels really like needed. And like mm-hmm. you know, the story, that story, um, you know, and I don't know when the book will come out, but it'll be by the time it, it gets all done, it'll probably be next year, you know, 2021 yeah. uh, when people are just coming out of this, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, there is, there, I do feel that sense of hope and that's not to, that's not to disavow any experience or pain or struggle that, that people are going through right now because right. Um, it's, it's horrific for some people, um, it's really difficult. Uh, it's difficult, some people are dying, people's mental health is being affected, um, there are women who are trapped in abusive homes because of it yeah. um, and that is all horrific and horrible. Um, and we should not i mean we should we should acknowledge that yeah, um, yeah. but i can I can still find hope in the midst of that uh, I can yeah because yeah. um this will not last forever uh, yeah. and we will come through this and there and god will somehow be in in it at the end of it and we will find a new way through and yeah. Yeah, there was an opportunity there like you talk about. Um, yeah. So thank you, Polly, for coming on the show. Thank it's been you. so great. This conversation, I feel like it was, um, uh, such a great opportunity to just talk about things that I'd, i personally wanted to talk about for a long time. And I think that are yes. really important to talk about. And, um, I hope this is beneficial for people who are listening as well. So thank you. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been such a privilege. So, thank you. This was lovely. Yeah, and um, thanks for listening, everybody, and take care.